Hello and welcome to the Cove City Church Podcast. I hope you're encouraged, inspired, and more aware of God's immense love for you. Enjoy the message. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you that we get to be in your presence this morning. And God, I pray that you would awaken our souls to the things that you have for us. That we would not stay here in a stagnant position, but that we would leave here changed. That you would change us and that we would surrender our lives to you and that we would, we would be open to what you want us to receive this morning. God, thank you for being present and thank you for working among us. And we don't want to take it for granted that the creator of the universe has a vested interest in us here as a community. That you see us and that you care for us and that you know how our week has been and you see our needs and you love us and you care for us. We're just so grateful. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We're so grateful for his death and resurrection so that we can have the ability to do this. Be with the remainder of the service. Be with my message that it would be clear and encouraging. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. I'm your MC this morning. What do you think? Yeah. If anybody else wants to MC, can volunteer. You guys, you guys can be seated. Yeah. <clears throat> if you're a first-time guest, welcome. We're so grateful that you're here. I don't think, I think everyone's been here before. Uh, but seriously, if, you ha- if you've been here and you've never filled out that blue card and you've never filled out the first-time guest card, please fill that out and see me after the service. Hand it to me so that we can put you in the system. And that way you can get emails through updates. You can get updates through the email system if, ever, if we ever have any imp- important information that we want to carry on or take or email to you, Quinn. Um, this is reminiscent, uh, i got to be honest, like doing two services and seeing a smaller crowd is reminiscent of the old days of Cove City. Back at Tinkenville, it reminds me. Actually, there was times at Tinkenville that we had less people than this when we first got started. And so this is, if I would have had this crowd, it would have been great. I'd have been celebrating because there was a point in time when it was my family and maybe like three or four others. I remember Andrew Ford being on the front seat and it was just Andrew and my family, and I think there was one other person. So um, do not despise small beginnings. That's a good, it's a good reminder for me. Um, and God is moving here. And I love stories of people in city groups and doing community, going apple picking and doing life together. Makes a big difference, doesn't it? Hanging out with people, doing life together. So if you're not connected to a city group or in community, man, get connected. Find your fit here. Um, because it's bigger than Sunday. Hey, what I want you to do now is just stand up again, turn around, say hi to the people around you, and then let's get ready for the message. How do you not know that? That's, that's, 
for anybody that doesn't know, the Browns are playing the Houston Texans today. We're going to have our first victory. First victory on the road to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's their year. Every year is their year, Matt. Come on now. Every year is their year. John 14 is where we're going to be at. John 14, you can open your Bibles or your Bible apps. And we're starting this brand new series called A Better Way. We're going to have our theme verse. We're going to go through it. And I'll get you out of here before 1 o'clock. Is that when the Browns play? 1? Sweet. <laughs> you know. Nick Chubb like texted you. said, hey, I'm playing at 1. Be sure to watch. <laughs> That's great. Um, John 14, 1 through 7. Here we go. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. In other words, I've been giving you directions, and you've been with me, and you know the way. And Thomas, he still didn't get it, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? At this point, if I were Jesus, I'd be like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Who did I pick? <laughs> right? But then he picks me. And I'm like, okay, I get it. I'm glad he picked me. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father. In other words, if you've been paying attention, you would have been paying attention. And then he just brings it back. He's like, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. When I was <coughs> growing up, I, my father didn't believe in um, going to college. And so I graduated at 16, and if you grew up Mennonite, you, the one part of the Mennonite rules, uh, particularly my family, was you, as soon as you got your driver's license, you had to go get a job. And you couldn't, you, you couldn't go to college. You didn't, they didn't believe it because that was sinful, you know, worldly. Those are worldly people at college, and they're going to take you down the path of hell. And uh, they probably have changed their minds. Mom, if you're watching this, I know you've changed your mind because she always watches um, she's one of, <laughs> I know she watches my messages and I, sometimes when I don't want her to watch them, I put them on private. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just messing. Um, but they, uh, my, my dad sat me down and he was a welder growing up. So he got up at 2.30 every morning, came home at 6.30 every night. And then on Friday nights, he would go in at midnight and come home at Saturday midnight. So he'd have time to like mow the lawn, get stuff ready because Sunday was our day of rest, like a truly a day of rest. Like they didn't go out to eat. We didn't go out to eat. We didn't four-wheeler. We didn't go fishing, like all that stuff. I mean, it was like you sat at home and you read Calvin and Hobbes is what you did on a Sunday morning, which is great. I love Calvin and Hobbes. And it was one of the highlights of Sunday morning is like you get up and we had this thing called graham cracker soup, which is coffee and graham crackers together. And then you have the Times reporter would come and you'd like op crack open the, the comics, Calvin and Hobbes. And uh, what's the old guy, Dennis the Menace? with uh, Mr. Rogers or something. And then there was some more, like, co anyway, I digressed. And so I sat, he sat me down at the table, and he was like, what do you want to do? Do you want to be a welder? Because I get you a job where I work. It's like, I don't really want to work that hard, Dad. And he's like, what do we want to do? It's like, I don't know. He's like, why don't you go talk to this guy, one of my friends who owns a woodworking shop. So I went and did, did that, and he interviewed. I interviewed with him, and he said, hey, you're hired. And so one of my very first jobs that I did was I was a custom cabinet installer. Is what I did. We would go all over the Ohio region, North Carolina, South Carolina, 
um, on the ocean. It was beautiful, and it was great pay for a 16-year-old, but you had long hours, 60-plus, 70 hours a week, um, picking up cabinets. If you would have been with me when I was 16, 17, 18, you would probably not recognize my personality because I thought I knew it all. You know, how you, when you're younger, you kind of know, think you know it all, and you have it all together, and mom and dad don't know what they're talking about. My apprentice leader, like, he doesn't know what he's talking about, you know, installing cabinets. What is that? That's so easy. Just line them up in a row, screw them together, screw them to the wall, fasten them to the wall, and you're done. You're good. Well, little did I know that the way you do things in cabinets is very particular. And the way you shim them, you actually didn't shim them. We planed them to the floor. We started with the, the lowest point, went to the highest point, because shims were from the devil back then. And so... We would plan them. I didn't know how to do all of that, but I thought I knew better. I thought I knew the best way to install cabinets. You just put them to the wall. You put them together. It's so easy. And thankfully, I had a leader that was patient with me. But it was a wake-up call to go my very first job and to install these cabinets. And one of the very first tasks that Jonas gave me was to install the, the hardware. And how hard can that be? It's three inches on center. And he showed me the ropes on how to do it. And I thought I knew a better way. And there's only really one really good way to measure for hardware. But somehow I thought I knew better. Um, and so I installed it. And I went to put the hardware on. And my holes were off. Had messed in all the drawer fronts up on this island. I, I never forget that. And then my next assignment was to measure the, the crown for the, the little piece that goes up top above your cabinets. And I was measuring. He's like, why, are you, why is this not working? And here I was holding my tape, tape measure backwards. It's like 54 and 1 eighth, and I was saying like 45 and 1 eighth. And so he's like, well, you got to hold your tape measure the right way. I'm like, well, I know the right way. It's like, no, you don't. I have the better way to do things. And it was so stressful that first week because that first week I would literally be, I was in the basement and I had acoustical ceiling, drop ceiling in my, in my bedroom. And I would find myself in the middle of the night standing on my bed, holding the acoustical ceiling up, pretending like I was screwing a wall cabinet, leveling a wall cabinet to the wall. That's how frustrated and stressful it was. But the reality is I could have avoided a lot of that stress had I followed my leader the right way. Had I listened to my leader, I would have understood that I didn't know a whole lot about the way to install cabinets. I, 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 I should have known back then that there was a better way and there was a best way to install cabinets. And there was a matter of fact, there was a time where I thought to myself, man, I, I'm not sure if this is worth it. Like, I'm not sure if, like, learning how to install cabinets is worth it. I'm not sure that when I went into it, it's not really what I had expected. It's way harder. It's way more difficult to understand. And I really think I know better, but eventually I caught on that I didn't. And I'm not sure that it's worth doing this and going through this. What does this have to do with I am the way, the truth, and the life? Right before these verses, Peter Jesus gives instructions to his disciples, and he's giving these instructions. He's like, hey, live your life in such a way that people will know that you're my followers. Live your, there's a way to live life that, that people will recognize that you've been with me. And these guys didn't get it, and Peter, as a matter of fact, he thought he knew the better way. And, when he was, and Jesus was giving him instructions. I can imagine Jesus, like Peter being like a short kid. He's like five foot four, my height. He's kind of like a scrapper. He's a scrappy little kid. He's a fisherman. And he's got to be a little bit scrappy. He's kind of smelly because he's always, you know, has, you know, kind of fishy smelling hands. And 
but he's cocky, you know, he's kind of brash, and Jesus is saying, hey, where I'm going, you can't go, and Peter's like, no, 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 Jesus, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go with you, I'm going to be with you, and Jesus is like, no, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to, where I'm going, you can't go, and he's like, no, I got you, I would never do that, and Jesus is like, yes, you're going to betray me, and, and Peter's like, I don't really understand what you're trying to communicate here to me, Jesus, and then Jesus says, you know, I'm going to go away, and Thomas is like, I don't really understand what you're doing, I don't know why you're doing all this, and for me, when I look at this story, I'm like, they did not understand the way, even though they were with the way this entire time. They did not listen to his instructions. They didn't internalize it. And then when I started thinking about this whole story, I'm like, no, duh, I wouldn't either. Do you know why? Because Jesus would have been young. He would have been in his 30s. Think about this. Do you expect to die when you're 30? Not really. You expect to live, what's the average medium age is what? What's the average medium age? This is something you would know, Phil. What? The medium death, the average medium death, 70-something. So you would expect, if you were disciples, and you would, you would have been expecting like, hey, you've got an entire lifetime to learn. You're only in your 30s. You're still young. You've got a ways to go yet. So in, my, in their minds, they, they didn't internalize all this stuff because they thought they had an entire lifetime with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus is telling him, hey, no, 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 listen, I'm going to go away, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, and it's a place where you can't go, but I'm going to take care of it, I'm going to come back, I'm going to take you to myself. And all of a sudden, everything that they knew, they thought they knew about life was turned upside down. Many times, here's how my life turns out. I think I know the way, and I think I know the direction that God is calling me. I think I know things about life, and then everything about life that I've known just kind of upends itself. Have you ever felt like that in life? Where you thought the direction of your life was going was the right way, and then all of a sudden something happens that completely upends your plans. Or you make a mistake, or what you thought you was supposed to happen didn't happen. And in your brain, you're thinking, man, is this life that I'm living really worth it? Is what I'm doing really worth it? I thought I knew the best way to live life, but apparently I don't. Because that's the beautiful mystery of following Jesus, by the way, is we don't know the totality or the big picture. We don't see the big picture of life and what he's doing. But so many times we think we know better. And all of a sudden Jesus is like, no, 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 you really don't know that much. At least not for me. I don't know, Hannah. You probably seem to figure it out. No? Still a journey? All right, cool. And the crushing weight of responsibility of the demands of life come, come hurling down at you. The confusion of, hey, I've been, I thought I was following you, God. I thought I was following your way. And the reality is I discovered that I really wasn't following Jesus' way. I was following my own way. And I had Jesus like as a little bit of like Jesus sprinkled into my life. And things aren't quite working out the way that I thought. And in the back of my brain, I'm thinking this question, is following Jesus really worth it? Because it sure doesn't feel like it's quite working out the way that I thought it would work out. Like life has become hard and confusing. You find yourself telling God like, man, God, I did all the right things. I thought I was supposed to do this. And now most things are going wrong in my life. I'm trying to follow after you, but even that seems to be really hard and really confusing at times. 
And what I find so intriguing about this story and this phrase, in the middle of Jesus giving instructions, he makes this phrase, it's the, it's the thing that we put on coffee cups, it's the thing that we have a hard time discovering and truly understanding. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for many of us, we have no problem talking about the truth of Jesus. We have no, talk, no problem talking about the life of Jesus. But when, what, where the rubber truly meets the road is when we have to discover the way of Jesus. Because the way of Jesus is how we live our lives. And for many of us, we've got the entire following Jesus thing compartmentalized into two areas, not three areas of our life. We've got a truth and we've got life. But we miss that Jesus says he is three things. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And something that I found interesting in my study is, um, how many of you know what the early Christians were called? They weren't called truthers. Have you ever heard that there's a phrase called truthers going around now? It's like conspiracy theories, like weird conspiracy theories, and like people are kind of crazy and loopy about it, and they're, they're like truthers. They weren't called truthers, like I am the way, the truth, and the life. They weren't called lifers. They, were called some, they weren't even called Christians. They were called the people of the way. Because the goal of the early Christians wasn't just right theology, it wasn't just strong morality. Their mission was simply to live the way of Jesus. And if we do believe that, if you answer that question, you're like, yeah, Jesus is worth following. Why am I here? I'm, I'm here, aren't I? Jesus is way bigger than a Sunday morning gathering hearing me talk. Jesus is way more than just hearing a worship team. Jesus is bigger than Sunday. I think Sunday, if this is like the baseline of like you, all you can do during the week is like drag your body here, like, we have bigger issues to talk about, right? Because the way of Jesus is how we live our life each and every day. The way of Jesus becomes our way of life if we believe that Jesus is worth following and Jesus is who he says he is. And if he is who he says he is, then the way Jesus lives should be the model that we live our lives. Not just knowing the truth, not just knowing that he is the truth, not just knowing that he is the life, but also knowing that he is, there's a way to live the way Jesus lived. And so the goal wasn't just for them to be right thinking, although that is important and strong morality is important, but a, a combination of it is to live it out so that other people can know that Jesus is who he says he is. The instructions that John 14 centered around this whole uh, passage in John 13, the ending, what he talks about them, he's giving them instructions because he knows he's leaving and he knows the super, this is super important for them to understand. And he says, by this, all men may know you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. He was giving them instructions He's like, hey, if you guys can figure out how to love each other, the world will know that you're a different, that you're, there's something different about you. Because the reality is the Pharisees and the religious zealots of the day, they wanted to get rid of Jesus so that the mission would stall. They thought, hey, kill Jesus, mission over. And Jesus is like, kill me, mission launches. Mission starts. And that's not something that we normally hear in today's world. But for me, when I look at it, Jesus was giving these instructions. He's like, man, live out the way that I have lived my life so that people can recognize that there's someone else empowering you and your life. There's something different about you. And so there's three questions that I want to just ask you as we launch into this. Does your life resemble that of Jesus? Does your life resemble that of Jesus? If people are around you, do they recognize that there is something different about you? There's something different about us. Because I got to be honest, like when I read scripture and I, rec and I read about Jesus' life, man, Jesus was all sorts of things. And Jesus was, 
his emotions were, they were full of joy. He had a lot of joy in his life. You know what we have in our lives? We're a ball of stress. <laughs> we're a ball of anxiety. The other thing that I noticed about Jesus in his life is Jesus stopped for people. Man, most of us, we ain't got time for that. We ain't got time for community. We ain't t- got time to hang out with people. I got work to do. I got places to be. I got money to make. I got tests to take. I could be a rapper. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, you don't want me to rap. But Jesus stopped for people. The other thing that Jesus did is he failed, he, he filled up and he consumed his life with a consistent relationship with God the Father. Guess what? I can't pray seemingly for three minutes without getting distracted. I can't, like, I pray and I have my quiet time. And man, like, my phone starts vibrating. It's like a contract. It's like, what time are you going to be here, right? Or a client. Or all of a sudden I start thinking about my fantasy football I got to be, and am I going to beat Craig this week, or who am I playing, you know, who's my waiver wire pickup, and oh yeah, I got him back, like, God, I'm sorry. And all of a sudden he's like, pick this guy up, I'm like, thank you, God. I'm just kidding, he doesn't do that. I'm just messing. But I get distracted. And when it comes down to doing, I think I know what's best, and all I do is I bring Jesus along for the ride. That's not following the way of Jesus. That's not following the way... That's simply following the way of self, sprinkled with some Jesus quotes, some Jesus talk, but it's not the Jesus walk. The way of Jesus will require us to fully surrender our lives and trust him as our model for living life. To see our lives as a conduit for others to see Jesus. To sur- the surrounding verses are Jesus' commands filled with instructions on how to live our lives. We get caught up in all these verses, and then we get caught up in John 14 where it's like, in my father's house are many mansions. Like, man, that's awesome. Like, many mansions. Give me that. Give me streets of gold. Give me, I can't wait for that place. And Jesus is like, you completely missed it. I'm not even, like, focused on the place. You guys don't even get it. Like, I'm, I'm creating this place, and in John 14, he says, I'm going to come back to bring you to myself. He doesn't say, I'm going to come back so you can enjoy the, the McMansions that I have, the many rooms that I have. He doesn't say that. The reason why he phrases, I'm going to bring you to myself, was he's preparing a place so that we can tangibly with Jesus in his presence for eternity. See, the destination, we get so wrapped up in the destination and the places of where Jesus is taking us and this whole idea of heaven that we forget that wasn't the point. The point of John 14 was Jesus saying, hey, and the surrounding chapters was, you have a mission that I have given you, you and, and live your life in such a way that it resembles the way I've lived my life while you were with me. Don't worry about the mansions. What Jesus was concerned about is, I want to prepare this place so that someday you can be with me tangibly forever. The way wasn't about a destination. The way wasn't about a place. The way was about a person, and his name is Jesus. So this way is a distinct pathway of living and loving the way Jesus lived and loved. But living out the way Jesus means we've got to surrender our lives that's not about us. We've got to surrender our lives that's not just about me. And then I, I, can't, I just pick Jesus up and look like for Christmas, like little itty bitty baby Jesus, like, hey, just come with me, Jesus, because I know better. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't know better. You don't know the way. You haven't even discovered what the way is if you still see me as someone that I, you just like carry around in your pocket when it's convenient. You just pull them out and then you use me. That's not the way of Jesus. And so this past summer, <coughs> excuse me, this past summer 
has been really a convicting time for me because I was so busy. Some of you know this. You're in my life and you know this. I've been very busy and I have never been uh, more, like, I've never been busier than I have been this past summer. Let's just say it this way. I felt overbooked, overworked, and I had all my priorities jacked up. It was all about me, 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 my time. Don't waste my time. Hurry, 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 hurry. Where's the next job I got to be at? Who I got to meet? How can I get this over with? And I was always tired. I got irritated quickly. And honestly, I got irritated, and I didn't have time for the people that I love the most. Isn't that how it is? You're busy, and you can't make time for the people that you love the most. And I ignored and pushed off the most important things in my life. And the, thing, the most important things in my life aren't, isn't stuff, isn't money, isn't housing, isn't painting. It's not, it's not any of that. It's people. And I pushed off the most important things in my life. I rushed my quiet time. I rushed my meetings. It was always about what's next, and I couldn't even focus on my meetings, and I'm always focused on the deadlines. Can I be honest with you? It wasn't the way of Jesus. It wasn't. Jesus made people his priority. Everywhere he went, he made time for them. Even when the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we got to go. We don't have time for these people. They're just going to distract you. Jesus like, no, wait. People are my priority. I'm going to make time for them. But here we are. We're always pushing it. We're always overwhelmed. We're always rushed. We're always in a hurry. And here's what I discovered. Anytime that I was in a hurry, I was always thinking about what's next. and I wasn't really present with the people that I was in front of anyway. And whenever I'm in a hurry, I'm always going away from the way of life that Jesus meant for me to live. And here's what I discovered this past summer. We never hurried our way to growing spiritually. You don't. You never hurry your way into growing spiritually. It's kind of like working out. Like, it's easy to put on the pounds. It's really hard to lose them. It's, it's easy to, to, to put my hand in a bag of Cheetos. It's really hard for me to put on my running shoes. Why? Because it takes more work and more effort. And I never hurried my way into a seven-minute mile. Never did. Seven-minute mile, you know what that means. You can run a mile in seven minutes. Never hurried my way. Yeah, my brother did it in 6.06, 12 miles average. He's like 50. What, in, what is life? It's like superhuman. He's running the Boston Marathon like in uh, three weeks or something. It's pretty cool. Um, but I never hurried my way to growing spiritually. Hurry says, I've got to do it all. Hurry says, like, you're not important to me. Something else is more important to me. Hurry, what hurry really did was it hurt my heart. And the work that I was doing for God, what I felt like all that work was, that I was doing for God was really crushing my walk with God. I didn't have the drive to invite people into my community, into this space. I didn't have the motive. I didn't have the motivation to pursue people. The passion faded. It wasn't that God wasn't moving. It was that I was moving at a pace that was opposite of the way of God and that was simply unmanageable. And so the way that we live our lives matter, but the reality is the world screams at us at how to get ahead at life and the pathway to success, and we gotta, there's a way to win, there's a way to, be to he- get ahead, there's a way to be happy. We just push it, drive harder, achieve, conquer, flex on them. 
Get there quicker before they can. Show, show them what you got. There's a way to do it. You got to push ahead. You got to get to the front of the line. That's the way the world screams at us. That's the, that's the way of the world, but that's not the best way to live. That's not the better way that Jesus is talking about. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. So what I did is um, I had a lot of time to think this past two weeks too, and this book has been really life-changing for me. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. This book has, I've started, I was halfway through this book, and then I got busy. <laughs> I got hurried. Wow, I don't have time for that. It's such a powerful book that John Mark Comer, Comer writes, and if you have a chance, buy it, read it, highlight it, write it up, and I wanted to give, um, I wanted to give props to him because a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about the next four weeks is from this book and another book called Gentle and Lowly. If you haven't read Gentle and Lowly, it's such an amazing book and it's done such a good, uh, it's been fuel for my spirit reading that. And one of the things that Gentle and Lowly and uh, the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry talks about is this passage of scripture where it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the only place in the New Testament, the only place in the New Testament, where it talks about Jesus' heart. Did you know that? It's the only place. So we gl- get a glimpse of the way of Jesus. We get a glimpse of his heart. And what does it say? Gentle and humble. Uh, KJV version says meek and lowly. And you will find rest for your souls. And we talked about this yoke a couple months ago or a month or two ago. Um, and we talked about how this yoke is a fascinating piece of equipment. It's two animals. You never put an immature animal with another immature animal or young animal. You always put, you will always put a yoke on someone who knows how to go or the place to go. And so for us, when Jesus talks about take my yoke upon you and learn from me, they would have recognized this as his way of life. This is how you live your life. In the ancient days, when someone talked about a yoke, they would be talking about a rabbi's teaching. That's what that would mean. And so when you talked about, like, if Phil were a rabbi back in the old days, and they'd be like, hey, what kind of, what kind of yoke is, is, is Phil teaching? And I follow Phil's teaching, or I yoke myself to Phil's teaching. That would be the phrase that they would use. And so when he was talking about take my yoke upon, upon you and learn from me, in other words, what he was saying is this is my teaching. Apply it to your life, and this is the way of life that I've asked you to live. That's what that means. The other thing that I find so fascinating about is Jesus is inviting us to a better way, to be joined with him. Not just believe his truth, but to live his way. And the reality is the yoke for us, we'd be like, man, that's a crushing weight. That's a hard thing to do. That's a hard thing to carry. But back in that day, what they would have understood and they would see in the way Jesus lived his life is Jesus' yoke wouldn't have seen it, been seen as a burden but a blessing. It wouldn't have been seen as like a crushing weight but a freeing kind of life. And so his heart, what I love about his heart in this passage of Scripture is it, it, it says his heart is gentle and lowly. And those words in the Greek are kind of like synonyms to each other. And what Jesus is saying is, Jesus is accessible. He is accessible and available to us. His lifestyle is one that he makes himself available to us. How incredible is that? 
He wants to attach himself to us and teach us his ways, but it takes surrender on our part. Jesus invites us to his ways, his lifestyle, and many of us, what we do is we're like, but Jesus, you don't understand my life. Like, I'm busy. I got customers to satisfy. I got schooling to do. I've got places to be. I've got massive amounts of student loan debt. I've got a demanding job. I have college assignments that are due. You haven't worked for my boss, Jesus. It's pretty demanding. I don't know if I can, I can live your way. When you think about it, Jesus had a pretty big assignment too. Assignment too. He had uh, just, you know, no big deal, just die for the sins of the world. <laughs> the brutality of the cross, the pain, the rejection, the betrayal, even amongst his friends, all of that did not, he refused to allow those things to keep him from living the way because he is the way. He was a perfect example. So today, this is just a launching pad for us, and I encourage you over the next four weeks to, to make an effort, every effort to come here, because I believe this is going to be a life-changing series for all of us, because there's a better way to live our lives. And for many of us, what happens is the world around us has more of an effect on us than we do on them. And we toe the line, and sometimes we cross, and then we cross back over, and then we wonder why our lives are in upheaval, disarray, depression, distress, unmotivated to live out the way of Jesus because we haven't truly surrendered our lives to him. So where are we going? The next four weeks, we're going to talk about four things, four topics. The first one is the pace of grace, this idea of the rushing and the stress and the overwhelming. Like there's a better way to live our lives than just that. And honestly, for many of us, when we, when we are in that season of being stressed and overwhelmed, what we really think about is, man, I just wish for a way out. I just want a way out. I want out of this. And this summer, I actually felt that. Like, I just want a way out. Anything. Give me anything. The pace of grace. There's a better way to live our lives. And what that does for us, it makes us feel, us, makes us feel like we're far from God. We're spiritually dry. We're dull. We haven't experienced the presence of Jesus in our life. And the, the, the third week, we're going to be talking about deep communion with God. How to have that relationship with God so that you hear his voice and you can be guided and led by him. And the third, the fourth week is mission-focused. How can we say laser-focused on the mission that God has for us? And the last week, and this is my, probably my favorite one, because one of the things that I've noticed in our social structures and dynamics is, man, we have these things called phones in our lives, and we're always looking at them. And have you ever been, like, in a conversation, and someone's looking at their phone, and you know, like, they are so not with you. Like, they're just, you're, like, looking, and you're, like, man, they're not, like, they're, they're often, like, this next thing. Like, and you, and in that moment, you don't feel very important to them. Because you, you're, like, man, they're looking on their phones. Like, I can tell. Or their eyes get glazed over, and you're, like, man, they are totally not present. And we've got to get back to this point where we know that being fully present in the moment matters. Being fully present with people matters. That's what Jesus did for us. And I get tired, I get so tired of the grind, I get so tired of the stress of feeling miserable, feeling afraid of what's next, and being angry, and being annoyed, being anxious, too many problems to solve, too much weight, too much pain to bear. But there's a better way to live life, and it's the way of Jesus. And we know how to live our lives. It's, it's found in Scripture. And we can be guided by our community. We can be encouraged with, with, with each other, to each other. 
And what I find so fascinating about many of us is we desire to have revival and we desire to have our souls revived. We desire for true change to happen in our communities and in our dorms and in our jobs and in the city. But we don't do, the, we don't do the, the work that it would take to actually make that happen. We read about Acts and we're like, man, we really need to get back to Acts, you know, that Acts church and the Acts way of living. And it's like, hey, can you, like, can you do this? Like, I don't got time for that. Hey, let's get together for prayer. Uh, well, you know, I have this other thing that I need to be doing. That's not that important. Is there any wonder why we feel the way we do and we never experience the presence of God and the revival of God in our lives in our city? It's because we haven't been living the way of Jesus. The, I'll close with this. Jonas ended up um, coming to me one day. I've been with him and apprenticing under him for a few years, and he, it was great. He's the best. He's one of the He's still, to this day, I'm so grateful to be, um, to have taught, to have been taught by him. The way he lived his life, he grew up Amish, and so, you know, he is Amish. I had to pick him up every day. And, but the way he lived his life was so incredibly encouraging. But the way he taught me, the patience, the guidance, the better way to do things was amazing. I would not be the cabinet installer, I would not be the woodworker I am today had I not been taught by him and I had not allowed him to teach me but there was this moment where Jonas on the way home uh, one day he said hey and we always speak in Dutch um, so I'm like thinking about it in Dutch so if it doesn't come out right just bear with me but he's like hey I have another job that I'm going to take it's in the company but I got hired and promoted as supervisor and he's like but You've been with me all these times. I've seen you install cabinets, and I've taught you everything that I know, and I know you can do it. I've taught you everything you need to know in order to, to know the way to install cabinets. I think that's what Jesus was telling the disciples. You've been with me. You've seen me. You've seen me live my life. You've seen me around people. You've seen the way. I've given you final instructions. I've taught you everything I can teach you in order to know the way to live life. Now go make a difference. And for many of us, we see that and go, well, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if, if Jesus isn't here, like, what am I, what's going to happen? And Jesus said later on in the passage in 14 and 15, he's like, I will never, I won't leave you high and dry. I'm going to send the helper. So we not only have the way Jesus lived, we also have the presence of the Holy Spirit indwelling in our hearts, empowering us to live the way of Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, I've taught you. You can see in Scripture the way to live life, and you have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now go make a difference. That's what he's telling us. Live the way I lived. Live the way of Jesus. There's a better way to live. It's not living our own lives, but it's living the way Jesus lived. And that's how we make a difference in the, in the world and our communities around us. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. God, help us to live this way out your way out. God, we, I confess that so many times I get busy, I feel rushed, and I stray from your ways. I stray from the ways that you have taught me to live. And God, I, over these last couple weeks, I've discovered and desire just to come back to living your way. 
where I make time for people, not only make time for people, but really make time for them, to be present in the moment, to be present with my relationship with you, to not just dream about it, to not just think, oh, I'm going to do it tomorrow, but to start today living in your presence, living your way. God, for many of us, we have the crushing weight of so many things in our lives that we think are keeping us from the way, but the reality is, truly, if we, if we look inside of ourselves and we do some introspection and do some thinking, the, the main reason isn't the crushing weight, it's allowing the crushing weight to be yoked to us and to not fully surrender our lives to you and, and, and your yoke. And thinking that if we yoke ourselves to you, we have to give up all these other things, and the reality is we do. But it's not what we think it is. It's not, oh, if we give up these things, it's going to be a burden. Yoking ourselves to you is a blessing, and it's finding freedom, and it's finding the better way. God, help us to live that out. Help me to live that out. Help me to lead that out here. God, we desire to be a church that makes a difference in the community. We desire to live out as a church your way, the better way to live. And that as a community, we can rally around each other, we can encourage each other. When one of us falters, when one of us struggles, to pick each other back up and to help us and lead and guide us to finding your way, the better way. God, we pray for these next four weeks. I pray that you would have a special blessing on our church and that people... Would, lives would be changed here in this room so that people's lives can be changed out in the world around us. God, we thank you so much for the difference that you're making in each one of our lives and being invested in our lives here. Thank you for everyone here at Cove City. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love it if you would join us in person next week at one of our two Sunday services. Visit covecitychurch.org for more information on service times, how to get plugged in, and how to give. We hope you have a blessed week.